This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Uh, we're going to start breaking down Mark chapter 3 tonight if, if, uh, if my snotty nose will hold up and my voice will hold up. Um, but before we get into Mark 3, why don't you pray for us? Okay. Be happy to. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we get to sit and study your word. That we get to read it and digest it. And we just ask you to give us wisdom and revelation you said your word is like honey like sweeter than the honeycomb we want we want to know the truth because the truth is what makes us free so we ask you to reveal yourself as we study your word tonight holy spirit make it come alive to us and help us to be able to apply it to our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you said in your prayer, we want to know the truth. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way. Well, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. Mm. So we want to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Which is why we're doing the podcast and which is why we're covering Mark's gospel so people can get to know Jesus in a more intimate way. And in Mark 3... Uh, Mark starts off with Jesus back in Capernaum and he's back at the synagogue on Sabbath day and the last time that he was in the uh, the synagogue uh, his ministry had just kind of it's fresh, it's new mm-hmm. he had chosen uh, a few disciples and uh, the people were in awe of his teaching um, they're used to hearing in the authority of Moses You know, these religious teachers sitting in the seat of Moses and talking Jesus comes along and says, yeah, Moses said this, but I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. And the people were just, you know, hanging on to his every word that he's saying. And then he casts out a demon in the synagogue and, it, you know, stunned the crowd, freaked them out, and mm-hmm. uh, his fame spreads. And that's when they go to Peter's house, heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then all these people just start flocking to the house to be healed and have demons cast out. And so the next thing you know, you know, everybody's starting to find out about this man who claims to be the Messiah. And so now he's back in Capernaum, and he's back in the synagogue, and it's the Sabbath day, and there's a man there, Mark says, with a withered hand. Right? Mm-hmm. So the guy can't use his hand. It's, it's shriveled up. And <clears throat> some questions that I have about this, this man with a withered hand is, was he in the crowd the last time? And we, we don't have any way of knowing that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there was a lot of people that didn't get healed by Jesus. They were sick. They were afflicted. Because you know, we hear people say a lot now, you know, well, if, if God existed, if God was real, then he wouldn't let this happen to me. Or he would heal me of this. Or, or they ask the question, why does God not heal? You know, because, you know, we pray for people all the time. Like Adam was saying today, when we were in our prayer time before the church started, you know, he prayed for that man's leg. And, and um, the man said, hey, my leg, Racker, Adam prayed. He's like, my leg still hurts. My leg still hurts. You know, so it, 
<laughs> Adam prayed for him again, and he's like, yeah, you know, my leg is feeling better. But, you know, I, I don't know why God doesn't just touch somebody all the time, you know, when we pray for him right there on the spot. You know, sometimes he does. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, that healing comes. Um, I totally forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> Imagine that. What was I saying? He's in the synagogue, and he's um, beginning to touch the man with that withered hand. But there were lots of people that were seeking him for healing. Oh, yeah. The man in the crowd. Yeah, oh, I was thinking about the, the, like the man at the pool of Bethesda that Jesus healed. It was on the mat for, you know, for so long. There, there was no telling how many people at that pool, you know, waiting for that water to be stirred by the angel and, and being the first ones to get in so they could be healed. That was their hope, that pool of water. There, I mean, so you got all these crippled people, but Jesus only healed one person that day. Mm -hmm. So maybe this guy was in the crowd. We don't know. Is he there on his own initiative because he, he's hoping that, you know, he, he knew that Jesus has been, visited that synagogue before there mm -hmm. in Capernaum. So, you know, maybe he'll be at church this Sunday. You know. um, or is he there because he was planted there by some religious leaders, some Pharisees. Mm. We don't really know because Mark doesn't say. Um, but I suspect it may have something to do with the Pharisees because um, they've got their eyes on this guy. And, and Mark is going to point out that they are literally watching this guy and watching Jesus. Watching this guy and watching Jesus. They want to see if he's going to do something to this mm -hmm. man's hand. Because they remember what happened last time with the demon being cast out. And they, they've heard all about Jesus and this miracle worker. Because remember, John said that Jesus has done so many miracles that there wouldn't be enough books to contain right. everything. Right. Um, and so the reason why I say that the, the, it's probably the, maybe the Pharisees planted this guy in there to see what Jesus is going to do. Because this is when, it's early in Jesus' ministry, but because of what Jesus does to this man's hand on the Sabbath day in the synagogue, these Pharisees are going to go to Herod and start plotting on how to how they can get rid of this guy. Mm -hmm. They want they want to kill Jesus. But you know, um, so very early on in his ministry, Jesus faced opposition, but he never he he never backed down. Right. And many times, especially with these religious leaders, we see that they like I think it was in the last chapter when we were it may have been chapter one, but they just had a thought. And Jesus called them out publicly for what they were mm -hmm. thinking. And he told everybody what they were thinking. <laughs> uh, so he, he never he never backed down uh, from these religious leaders. He he faced them head on and he called them out. And here he, he knew what the Pharisees were up to. And so he's gonna call this man to the front of the audience and he's gonna heal the withered hand. Um, if you would read the verses three through six. Can I back up to two? Mm -hmm. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. It's funny, isn't it? They didn't have anything to say. Hmm. And that's how Jesus 
he dealt with people, especially people who were challenging his authority or questioning who he is or if he is from God, if he is the Messiah. He would answer them with questions. Well, and, and that was rabbinical tradition. Yeah. In the, in the Jewish mindset, we, we have a very Greek mindset, right? We want answers for specific questions. We want solutions for problems. But the Hebraic mindset is more like your, your quality of being a student is based on the quality of your questions. It's not on, can you spit back an answer? Do I have a concrete answer for this particular question? It is the quality of the questions you ask in return. So a rabbi would often sit down to have an, a discussion with his disciples and he would ask questions. And they were to ask questions in return. It wasn't disrespectful right. at all. That was the custom. And so I love the fact that Jesus always asks, he answers questions with, with questions. questions. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it leaves you as the reader, even disciples now, going, huh, well, I hadn't thought about it that way. Or maybe I should look at it from a different perspective. It really makes you think about, okay, how would I respond to that situation? What, what are my thoughts on that? Yeah, because our mindset is, if Shepherd was asking me a question, before she even gets the question out of her mind, I'm already trying to answer it in my head so I could give an answer. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's always asking questions. So he asks, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they all remain silent. So did you want me to keep going to yeah. six? Okay. Yeah. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Do you think he took a deep breath and was like, give me your hand, dude. <laughs> this is what I picture. Then the, the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Yeah. So the New Living Translation says he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Yeah. You think about it, these people are, these religious leaders, especially these Pharisees, they are the ones that the people in the community look to for the godly examples. Right. But they weren't a very good godly example. And for example. explanations. Yeah, right? and for explanations. And My ESV says, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. So, you, so we got two emotions going on here. And, and a lot of people don't really think about Jesus in this in this fashion, but he's hot. Mm -hmm. the, the Greek word here is orge, and it means uh, to team, T-E-E-M, to team, denoting an internal motion, especially that of plants and fruits swelling with juice, a desire as reaching forth or excitement of the mind, a violent passion, justifiable, abhorrence, by implication, punishment, anger, Indignation, vengeance, wrath. Mm. The dude was hot, and we don't we don't like to think of Jesus in that kind of light. We he's love. He's a God of love, you know, a God of mercy, a God of grace, and he is all that. But not not with these religious people. Well, sometimes he gets mad and turns over tables. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, and and 
and we see he's 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 mad here. And it, when I looked this up in the, this word in the Greek, it was the only time, if I'm not mistaken, that that word is even used uh, about him being that angry. He's really mad. And and his, have you ever been so angry that you cry, that you're like you're sad? He's not. He, Mark doesn't say he's crying here, but he does say he's very angry, and it says he's uh, very sad, mm -hmm. or he's grieved. Mm -hmm. His heart is grieved, and why is he grieved? Because these are supposed to be the godly examples, and they're 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 trying to kill God in the flesh. They are rejecting the very Messiah that they've been looking for for a very long time. And these guys know the scriptures. They know the prophets. They know the Psalms. They know uh, the, the book of the law. They, they, they know there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And these guys, they're standing there face to face with the Messiah and they, they don't get it. And they're trying to kill him. And here in a minute, they're going to be accusing him of uh, being filled with Satan. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he's angry and he's sad he, he's grieved in his heart um, and by that grief where there's a physical appearance that changes from him it, they can they can literally see that he's hot and he's standing in front of the whole crowd so everybody sees it right, right. and um, the Greek word for uh, grieve and I probably should just spell it out but I'll try to say it it's sulu Ayo, toe. <laughs> like stump my toe. Oh. You can look at it. Uh, but it means to affect with grief together, to give with oneself, to afflict jointly, to be sorrow at on the account of someone, to be grieved. And then the only other time that I know this happening, and, and, and it's a different Greek word that they use, but in the, the when when Lazarus was dead, and well, before he died, remember Mary Martha had sent for Jesus, and Jesus waited for several days before he ever went to the house. Mm -hmm. And he's very close to his family. He stays with that family before he goes into Jerusalem to die mm -hmm. on the cross. He's staying with Mary Martha and, and Lazarus. But Mary Martha had sent for Jesus. Remember, and they just ridicule him when he shows up and says, "If you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died." So they were mm -hmm. hot with him. And and Jesus says, "Look, he's gonna be fine." You know, he's just sleeping. They're like, well, we know he'll be resurrected, you know, in the, in the end. And Jesus like, you just don't get it. And so they're on the way to the tomb. And, and it, people say it's the shortest verse in the Bible, which it's not. There's, a, there's actually a shorter ver, uh, verse in the Greek. Uh, pray with, pray with, pray. What is, what is the one with prayer? Pray without ceasing or something like that. Mm -hmm. In Thessalonians. Uh, that's actually shorter in the Greek than Jesus wept, but the reason why he was weeping is because he was he was very upset. He was angry and saddened by Mary and Martha's disbelief mm -hmm. that he couldn't do it. And so that's very similar in this. He he is angry with these religious leaders, these Pharisees, and he's angry to the point of their disbelief, and this, their disbelief is causing him to grieve. To grieve. And so when is the last time that we grieved over somebody that we just, we share with them Jesus, they reject Jesus and we're like, why don't you just get it? Why, why do you not understand it? I mean, it could be a loved one. It could be mm -hmm. one of our children. It could be, you know, our spouse even, or, you know, our parents or a brother or sister or whoever. 
a friend, mm -hmm. someone we've known for a long time, and we shared Jesus with them, and it's just right there in, in plain view. Jesus is right there, but they're just like, no, I don't have anything to do with it. But when's the last time we grieved over that? That they, they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Or they walked away from Jesus. Right. We are releasing the sound Cause the lost generation to be found all you Grinded Podcast listeners, I know you enjoy some good music, but I want to tell you about some awesome music. Now, my friend, Mary Gamboa, she's also the worship leader at the church where I worship, called Authentic Church here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We'd love to invite you to come out and check us out sometime when you get a chance. Start at 10 a.m. and we're on Lindsay Street here in Alcoa. Mary has produced a new album called Jealous, and you can check that out anywhere music is being streamed. But you can also check it out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G A M B O A music.com. Go check that out. Why do you not understand? Why would anybody not want their sins to be forgiven? But when's the last time we grieved over that? When's the last time we even shared Jesus with somebody? Hmm. Lord, help us to be faithful in that. And so the reason why Jesus is upset with these Pharisees and the reason why he's grieving is because, well, he's God. <laughs> he knows he knows what their intentions are. He knows what they're gonna do. And he and he knows that they're gonna they're gonna go to Herod and they're gonna start plotting his death. And over and over again, these guys try to stone him. And they're going to try to push him off a cliff at one point. And, and if you think about it, these Pharisees, you know, they looked the part, they talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. Right. They had the people fooled for a, a very long time. And Jesus knew that. And so he's upset with them. And he's the talk of the town. And people flock to see him. And the crowd's so big that... Um, Jesus is going to get in a boat and he, he's going to get uh, get in the boat and get in the water because he's going to be afraid. We'll pray here in just a second, but he's going to be afraid that uh, he's going to be crushed. And so he asked his disciples to you know to get him away. And so many people come, just like the last time when he was in the synagogue. All these people just flock to him because uh, they they want to be they, well. They want to see him. They want to hear him, and they they want their. Uh, they want their healing, or they want their demons cast out. And Mark says that um, uh, that you got all these people who are sick and afflicted. They're coming to Jesus again here in Capernaum. And he says that um, when the demon-possessed guy was in eyesight of him, that the demons were cast out. They shrieked mm -hmm. and, and left the people. And then from that crowd... Um, Jesus chooses 12 men that will be in his inner circle. Well, he's already chosen some, but he calls them out again. And these 12 men would end up being his 12 disciples, his inner circle. And uh, later on, they'll be called apostles in the book of Acts. And Mark gives us their names in verses 16 uh, through 19. He says, these are the 12 that he chose. Simon, who he named Peter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. But Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, 
and Judas Iscariot who later betrays him. Yeah. And so that's going to be his faithful 12. And then there's three in there that get special treatment. Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be his 12 sidekicks. And then Judas will be replaced by Matthias in Acts chapter 1. Because Judas goes out and hangs himself after he betrays Jesus. And so as we get toward the end of this one, I want to talk about um, an old saying that people say a lot. It says, haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. And Jesus is expecting um, hatred from the religious leaders because he knows their hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's sad is, is when his own family doubts him. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because his ministry starts when he's 30 years old. I think that's Luke that tells us that he's 30 years old when John baptized him in the River Jordan. So Jesus was the firstborn of Mary, not Joseph, because God the Father was the Father. But then Jesus, Mark tells us in 6 3 that he has four brothers James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And then he says that he has sisters which is plural, so we know he has at least two sisters. We don't know their names, and we don't know how many he has. Mm-hmm. It could be two, it could be three, four, however many. just means Mary and Joseph was a little busy. Well, we said in one of the last podcasts, there were no TVs, there were no videos. No cell phones. There was, in, yeah. They were living off love, <laughs> literally. Um... But he has four brothers and he has sisters. And it says that his brothers and his sisters, they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Now, in John, John backs this up too. In John's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, it says, uh, After this, Jesus went around Galilee, and he did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, there's the four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a, uh, become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Yeah. If you are who you say you are, we've known you our whole lives. And go prove it. Quit doing stuff in secret. Quit telling people that, you know, when you heal somebody, don't tell them to keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Get out in the open. But at this point, Jesus has healed so many people. And his own family did not believe in him. Uh, in Mark 3, can you read verses 20-22? Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. All right, the Greek word there for out of his mind, it literally means that they're saying he's insane. This mm-hmm. this is his own family, his brothers and his sisters. This dude's crazy. He's insane. Not in a good way, because you know, the way we use it, the word insane sometimes is a good way. Mm-hmm. No, they're saying he's crazy. He's out of his mind. Literally. Keep going. So the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, 
He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. Yeah. So, Jesus doesn't have a whole lot of support, if you think about it. These people who are supposed to be representing God are trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. His brothers think he's crazy. His sisters think he's nuts. And if you think about it, he's a homeless man. He's a nomad. He's just wandering around. He doesn't even own a home. Mm -hmm. He doesn't own anything. He just He's just walking around, preaching about the kingdom of God and working miracles. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't have a whole lot of support. Um, but he's got 12 disciples now. Yeah, he's got 12 disciples. <laughs> At least 12. But if you think about it, they really don't have a clue. You know, they're they're uh, they're watching the show, and and they're constantly kind of doubting, and um, they're always uh, well not always but a lot of times they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, who's going to sit you know they get uh, James and John get their mom Salome involved in it you know she goes to Jesus and says hey can my boys sit on your left and your right hand in your kingdom? And Jesus is like you don't even know what you're asking. So I mean, the the disciples had issues. I mean, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, what kind of support did they give him there? Can't y'all stay awake just for a little while? I just needed you to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Stay awake for an hour. Yeah, so yeah, they they they're, they're and, and when when uh, um, he told them he said you're going to be scattered. He said we'll all die with you. And what happens when when he's betrayed? They're gone. Be all twelve of them. He gone. They gone. Yep. So he was, you know, left on his own. And then you got Peter, who said, I'll never deny you. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. No, I'll never. Yeah. And I'll go with did. you to your death. Yeah. And before you know it, he's denied him three times in the rooster crows. So there wasn't a whole lot of support from those 12 men either. They tried. Bless your hearts. They tried. I know. Father, forgive us for when we, when we think we are full of zeal and we think we are... Oh, I'd follow you to the death. And then, dang it, I just denied you again. Amen. So sorry, Lord. Lord, if you would deliver me from this, I will never do it again. And then what do we do? Lord, if you deliver me from this. We return to our vomit. <laughs> like the dog. Uh, would you read verses 23 through 30? So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. So there's, there's a theme going on here. You hear the theme? Division. Right. Division. Division. And... And just for the record, New Living Translation says in verse 25, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. The feud doing an IV, right? Mm -hmm. It says what? Uh, if a house divided a house against divided. itself. Yeah. New Living says uh, a family splintered. All right, go ahead. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, People can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. Yeah. Go 30. 
he said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Yeah, or you live as an evil spirit. So they're, they're accusing Jesus of, of casting out demons by the power of Satan. He's possessed by an evil spirit. Dangerous. Danger, Will Robinson. Mm -hmm. Danger. Danger. Uh, and so in the New Living Translation says, Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy. What did you say, NIV? Verse 20. All sin and what? It doesn't say blasphemy. It says something else. I'll tell you the truth. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. Slander. Yeah. Um, New Living says blasphemy. So all sin can be forgiven. All blasphemy can be forgiven except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says it will never be forgiven. Um, and so Jesus is telling these religious leaders, he says, you're not making any sense because you're claiming that Satan is casting out his own demons, which mm -hmm. that's the vision. He said that would never happen. Satan would never do that. And we know that God is, is not for division. Uh, Paul, is it 1 Corinthians that Paul talks about that God's, God's not about division. He's not about chaos. But uh, what's the, how's it? My mind is full of snot and I can't think. <laughs> or he says it, it, uh, God has not caused division. How does it go? Help me out. I have to look at look at the scripture. I can't think of it. Um, but God is all about unity. He's not all about division. And so Jesus says, you're not even making any sense. Satan will never cast out his own demons because that's that's the vision. Mm -hmm. And then I, I personally think he's going to take a dig at his family. You're, you're, the NIV says uh, house. The New Living says family. Um, because he says, of, you know, his, we just pointed out that his brothers and his sisters think he's nuts. They don't believe in him. Mm -hmm. And so he says a house or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So he's telling his family, you, you need to get on board. You need to believe in me mm -hmm. <laughs> because I am who I mean, you've known me for 30 years. Is what mm -hmm. he's saying. And, and he said, um, your belief is causing the division in the family. And I kind of get the idea of maybe that there may have been some issues within that family over the past 30 years. I don't know, maybe Mary and Joseph show a little favoritism toward Jesus because they always, you know, she pondered these things in her heart. Mm-hmm. You know. No, wait. Issues in a family? <laughs> Surely not. Even, even. In, Surely in, not. Family, yeah. <clears throat> so there, you know, there could have been a little jealousy within the brothers and the sisters. Well, I mean, think back to Joseph, right? And even when jo the Lord revealed things to Joseph about who he was going to be. The brothers became angry and indignant, and they they were like, "What? We're not going to bow down to you. Yeah. You're you're the young one, you pipsqueak, you know." Um, he's got the coat of many colors, right? And but he was seeing a vision of what would happen in the days to come. A vision given by God, right? Yeah, a dream. Yeah. But they they weren't able to rightly esteem it. Until until it actually happened, like Joseph said. Yeah. And here's Jesus, who is a half-brother, and they're half-sisters, because God is the father. Joseph is not the father here. Mm -hmm. 
Joseph is not Jesus' dad. And so he's, you know, the way the people in the community looked at Mary was, and these religious leaders, they, they looked at her as an adulteress. They they accuse her of being adulterous. You know you're a you're you're a son of an adulterer, and because you know they, they she goes and visits Elizabeth, and she comes back and she's pregnant. As far as we know, Joseph had no idea, mm-hmm. and you know, until the angel told him what had happened, and and so um, his brothers. I mean, we don't know because we don't know the we don't have any way of knowing the history there, but. His brothers and his sisters didn't believe in him. And there's a reason for that. And maybe they're like going back to the Joseph example in Genesis. Um, there's some indignation in there in that family, I think. Even in Jesus' family. But here's their brother who their moms told them their whole childhood that, you know, he's Jesus. He's from he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. That's what the the angels came and visited me over this child. He's special. Mm-hmm. Well, what makes him any different than us? He looks just like us, you know. We we played ball with him our whole life, you know. We you know whatever they did as kids back then, mm-hmm. you know. So they just know him as their brother and sister. They don't think nothing of it. And now he's out there preaching the kingdom of God. He doesn't own a home. He's traveling around. He's got followers, and he's working these miracles. And they can't do that stuff. Right. So. A prophet is not accepted in his own hometown. Yeah, exactly. How many of us have? difficulty witnessing to family. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Sometimes because there's such a familiar spirit, spirit, um, people don't want to receive from you in your family. So Jesus says that all sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. All means what? Every. All. Nothing lacking. All sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. The only way sin can be forgiven is to be washed in the blood of Christ. But all means all. You know, when people do things that hurt us, you know, we don't like to think about, you know, they can be forgiven. Like, the Apostle Paul was a murderer. He went around grabbing people from their homes and putting them in prison, breaking up families and homes, but yet... He was forgiven. He became one of the greatest missionaries ever lived. So all sin, no matter, you fill in the blank with whatever, it can be forgiven. Mm-hmm. All blasphemy can be forgiven, except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it will never be forgiven. So we're not going to answer the question today. We'll do it in the next podcast. So, but if, if, if the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven, then we better know what that is, mm. that we don't commit that we don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit yeah. and so think about that question what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit we'll answer that in the next podcast so we're going to end today's podcast with these two questions are you a hater or are you a believer are you a hater or are you a believer will not you pray for us again as well believer believer <laughs> I'm a believer <laughs> I couldn't leave him if I try. <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Help us to rightly divide your word of truth so that we're not holding tanks for it, 
but that rivers of living water flow from our bellies to a dry and thirsty world that's all around us, desperately in need of your truth, desperately in need of hope and encouragement. Thank you that this word doesn't go forth and come back void, but it accomplishes everything that it was sent out to do. Let it be planted deeply rooted in us so that we live it out day to day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us wisdom and revelation. We praise you for all of it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Keep growing. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.